This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. We are so looking forward to moving ahead on that vitality path. And again, as Julie said, your participation and our internal assessment is so important. It's fact, it's so important, we're not only going to do it this week, but wait, there's more. You'll have opportunity to do it next week as well. So it's something we really want to make sure that we all participate in because, you know, this is a, a, a critical moment in the life of our church. Uh, we are so blessed uh, by those who God had given a vision uh, to see a church in this little community called Eagle River nearly 20 years ago. Uh, many of them um, have been involved in the missionary work in western Alaska, uh, whether it be in, in uh, planting churches or it was in radio, but they had a heart for the Lord. These were healthy and missional Christians, those who were pursuing Christ and His priorities in the world, that's what led them to Alaska, uh, to want to be a part of uh, God's movement here in, in, in our state. And uh, the foundation that they laid that, that now we know as Community Covenant Church was a foundation in which um, it was a church that pursued Christ and His priorities in the world. Some of those are, are still here with us. You know, we think of the Fondells and, and the Pearsons and and. We think of uh, how they called a, a young couple out from the Midwest, the Swanbergs, to help get this thing started. And, and others, uh, the Bruckners, and how they all met in a home. And then the idea just grew. And then, of course, Pastor Mark came and, and so on and so forth. I mean, what a wonderful story. In fact, uh, Ralph was telling me that when uh, he had finished his work up at, at KICY in Nome, that he had a vision. There was a vision for a radio station here in Anchorage. And as they began to talk about it, they wanted to talk about programming. And of course, uh, forward thinking, uh, as Ralph is, uh, he suggested that along with good biblical teaching, you know, there would be this thing called contemporary Christian music. Oh my, that was so edgy. Huh? Uh, and yet he had a sense of what it was going to take for the next generation, um, for the message of the gospel through music to be reached, uh, to reach that generation. And, uh, there was some resistance, as Ralph, uh, had shared with me. And, and, uh, you know, it just seems like in every generation as God moves and as he does new things that that uh, he, he stretches us. He moves us out of our comfort zone. Uh, and what we're going to find here in our, in our Scripture today is uh, something revolutionary is going to happen in the church. In fact, I call it the big shift. Uh, it involved an understanding of what God was doing uh, in a whole new way, in a, in a way that wasn't comfortable, in a way that wasn't necessarily, that it didn't feel safe. Uh, in a way that, that God couldn't be uh, controlled by man, but God was moving through man to do some things that exceeded 
people's wildest expectations at that time. And do you know he's doing that still today? Do you know he's doing that in our church at this very moment? As we build on that foundation that we've talked about. And as we continue to, to be a healthy, we want to be healthier. We want to be more missional. We, we want to have a passion for pursuing Christ and His mission in the world. Uh, the same way those who planted our church did so many years ago. And yet, again, we know uh, there are going to be challenges. And, and yet, as we look back, we say, well, gee, contemporary Christian music, that's pretty normative now, isn't it? I mean, for most people, it is. Certainly it is here. Um, you ever heard of a guy named Handel? He, he, he wrote a piece, I think it's called The Messiah. You know, when that first played in, in Dublin, Ireland, it was warmly received. It was applauded. People thought it was wonderful. But by the time it got to England and it was played, there were two concerns that emanated from the church. The first was, although the, the, the lyric uh, was, if you will, scriptural, the music wasn't sacred. Can you imagine that? And not only that, it was played in a concert hall instead of a church. And there were those who saw that and uh, really pushed against it. Of course, now that, that's accepted and, and we see that as a treasured piece of music. And you ever heard a guy named William Booth? William Booth founded the, the Salvation Army. Do you know that... Uh, as he founded the Salvation Army, a very prominent evangelical politician in England uh, said that, you know, this work of Williams Booth's is of the devil. He's going out and working with the dregs of society, the alcoholics, the, the poor, the disenfranchised. Scandalous. And not only that, a, a, another leading figure in the church had concocted a uh, a paradigm through which he looked at Booth's name and said, look, numerically, his name comes out to 666. He's the Antichrist, the founder of the Salvation Army. So again, in every generation as God moves, um, you know, it's uncomfortable. Uh, we're not able to manage it. Um, it isn't necessarily safe for us. And, you know, we're finding that out in our passage today. You might recall last year we were in the book of Acts. And we got actually through Acts chapters 1 through 10. And then we, we started our series on the 10 markers of a healthy missional church. And when we finished that, we moved right into uh, the holidays. And so here we are in the new year. I thought we'd pick up in the book of Acts. Because as we look in the book of Acts, we see modeled for us an example of a growing church that has a desire to pursue Christ and His priorities in the world, healthy and missional, and yet they're facing challenges. God is working in that congregation or in that, that new movement of Jewish followers of Jesus Christ, and He's doing new things. And there are challenges. And you might recall, as Pastor Tyler taught uh, last year, last summer, on Acts chapter 10, it, there was a significant issue that needed to be decided. And uh, that began to be addressed in Acts chapter 10. 
there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion, and he was a head of a, a, a part of the Italian uh, regiment in a place called Caesarea. And uh, it was there that an angel came to him and told him to send for another man named Peter who was in a town called Joppa, not far away. And of course, he sent two men and one of his trusted attendants. And they went to Joppa and they found Peter who was praying. Peter had had gone to Joppa and you might recall it was there that he raised Tabitha, her Greek name Dorcas, from the dead. Do you remember that? She was a disciple of, of, of the Lord and she had died. And family had called for him to come and there was a great miracle that took place and, and there he was in Joppa having just performed that miracle and he was praying and sure enough here came these two men with the trust of the third man, the trusted attendant. And they said to Peter, listen, uh, we've been sent to bring you back to Caesarea, to, to Cornelius and uh, the Lord had prepared Peter for that because while he was praying... Interesting, he was praying. Important. Uh, a vision came of a sheet that, that came down, if you will, right in front of him from heaven. And on that sheet it had uh, all kinds of animals, um, hooved animals, reptiles, birds, all kinds of creatures. And then he heard the voice of the Lord say, kill, right, take and eat. And it says, hey, not me. I've never touched or, or done anything unclean, violated the, the, the law or the traditions of my Jewish faith. I'm not going to do that. After all, um, this is what separates us from the other peoples of the world. And three times this happened. And the Lord responded and said, No, don't, don't, don't call something here that, that I've created unclean. And it was just at that time that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, listen, there are going to be some men coming and when they come, you're to receive them and you're to go with them. And sure enough, that's what happens. And uh, he goes and he begins to share the gospel with these Gentile believers, right? Uncircumcised, if you will. And uh, he just begins to share and something amazing happens. The, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin to do exactly what happened to the apostles in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Uh, they began to praise God and they began to speak in tongues. Right? And in um, Jerusalem at that time, uh, they were praising God in, in languages that were not their own as the Holy Spirit came upon them in fulfillment of what Jesus had told was going to happen. And so now here's Peter. He's going to share with uh, Cornelius. And Cornelius had, had gathered all kinds of people to come and, and to hear what Peter had to say. Because uh, he had been told by that angel that this man Peter was going to come and, and tell him um, how he could be saved. And Cornelius was a, a righteous man in the sense that the Jewish people respected him. Uh, he was very, very generous, giving to the poor, and he was a God-fearer. He was a man committed to prayer. Um, so he already had a heart for God. 
And so, as Peter came and began to share, before he was finished, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon all that were there. And some people call that the Gentile Pentecost. Okay? And they began to do exactly what the apostles did. Well, of course, Peter understood that in light of the vision he had had. He said, wait a minute. If this is how God worked with us in the upper room, and now I'm seeing this happen, in fact to these Gentiles, it must mean that I'm to receive them and that God is pleased with them as they are, right, non-Jewish, and I can go ahead and include them, baptize them, and, and consider them followers of Jesus. See that? And that's, that's, that's chapter 10. Well, Luke, who's the writer of Acts, thinks this is so important that what does he do? In chapter 11, which is where we are today, I encourage you to read verses 1 through 18. Just go through that, 10 and 11, 1 through 18. Luke thinks it's so important that he gives an account of basically summarizing what happens in 10, but the context is now there are believers... Jewish followers of Jesus in Jerusalem who hear about what happened. And they're scandal. They're upset. How in the world could Peter go in to the home of a Gentile, an uncircumcised person, a person who isn't adhering to Jewish law and tradition and custom, how could he go in there and break bread with them? How could he? I mean, how could he do that? And uh, that's that's where chapter eleven begins. And so Peter is going to give an account to those Jewish followers of Jesus in Jerusalem to explain the whole story of what happened and and why he went in and 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 how he saw the Lord working in in their lives the same way that they had experienced as apostles back in Acts chapter two. And that's what he's going to do. And that's kind of the context of verses 1 through 18. But as we see this, I want to call your attention to some very specific scriptures or passages, verses in 11, 1 through 18, and what we can learn from it. Okay? Again, I call it the big shift because this is going to determine whether Christianity, as it will be later called, is going to be a, a Jewish movement, solely a Jewish movement, or is it going to be inclusive of non-Jewish people? Is it going to be available to the people of all nations? And, and this is going to begin that discussion that ultimately is going to be decided in, in Acts chapter 15 with the Jerusalem Council. So, the first thing we see here in Acts 11, 2 through 3, it says, So Peter went up to Jerusalem to explain what was going on. And the uncircumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. In other words, you had table fellowship with them. All right, that's breaking down of a, of a barrier that was separating. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 20, verses uh, 24 through 26 the Lord gives the command for, for Israel to be separate from the rest of the nations. And so here, 
these Jerusalem believers are saying, wait a minute, you're, 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 you're no longer seeing yourself separate, but you're including these Gentiles, and, and, and you're sitting down in their home, and you're eating with them, which meant you were eating unclean foods. Right? That's what Gentiles ate. And, and here's Peter doing that. And, and so really, the issue here is you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Here's the issue. Will Gentiles be able to become followers of Jesus without having to become Jewish and without having to follow Jewish law and tradition and custom? Because if they can't, then you're going to have two separate churches, a Jewish church and a Gentile church. Okay? Because how could Jews and Gentiles even gather around the Lord's table together if this issue wasn't solved? Do you see that? And so we see that God's movement frequently meets with resistance. And, and how is this resistance overcome? What does Peter do? Peter does a couple of things. One, he appeals to his personal experience. He tells about his experience, his vision, what the Holy Spirit had revealed to him. He also refers to Jesus, Jesus' teaching, where Jesus says, hey, wait a minute, Uh, you were baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized by the Spirit and fire. And he begins to understand and interpret what's happening consistent with what Jesus said. That's what happened to them. That's what happened to these Gentiles believers in Cornelius' house. And so he shares that. Not only that, remember he takes six Jewish believers with him to the house of Cornelius who also witnessed this. And when he's sharing to his brothers in Jerusalem, he has the six Jewish believers with him that are also giving testimony and witness. You notice he didn't say, listen, you guys don't understand this. You don't get it. I'm going to leave here and just go do this on my own. No. I mean, there's a relational covenant that's going on here. He's determined to talk to those who object and to share from a biblical perspective his experience, the teaching of Jesus, the witness of these other Jewish believers that he took with them. Six of them saw this too. And he's He's committed to working it out. But we know that, that God, when He moves, that movement is frequently met with resistance. People need to understand it. There are early adapters, middle adapters, and late adapters. And Peter here is giving people time to understand and process his experience. And the Word of God as he understands it through that experience. The second thing we see here is in Acts 11.5. As he begins to share, he says, I was in the city of Joppa. What was he doing? Praying. How prayer readies his heart and positioned him to receive what God had for him. And so there he was. He was praying. And he talks about the trance. He saw the vision. And he explains, I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. Prayer readies our heart to hear from God. You want to hear from God? You're wrestling with something. You need discernment. That's why the prayer team's back there. They're ready to pray with you, to discern with you, to listen with you, to see what, what God may be doing in your life. Prayer is so important. It, it, it just prepares the soil of our heart to receive what God has for us. And the really question is, is are we expecting to hear from God? I believe Peter was. That's why he was receptive to what, what happened there. The third thing is that we see that God works in our lives for the benefits of others. 
Acts 11, 13 through 14. He's talking about what Cornelius said to him as he's recounting the events to the Jerusalem believers. He says, He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your whole household will be saved. And of course, we look back to Acts 10, 34 through 35, as Peter initially understood this, and Peter was talking to Cornelius. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the ones who fear Him and do what is right. And it's such an important thing. You see, way back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God makes a promise to Abraham, or Abram at that time. And he said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you a great name, and you will be a blessing. Well, who is he going to be a blessing to? To all the peoples of the earth. To all the nations of the earth. And through Abraham's seed, of course, we can follow... God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and through the Jewish people, God is going to bless the nations. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now get this. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What's happening in Acts chapter 10 and 11 is that movement through which God now is going to bless all the nations. Okay? But He's doing it in such an unexpected, revolutionary way to the the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Because it was outside their paradigm and their understanding, outside their box that they had placed them in. And then finally, we see that, that past actions are not always the best course for a present situation. Past actions are, are not always the best course for a present situation. In Acts 10, 28, Peter, as he's speaking to Cornelius, said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or even visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now, if he was going to adhere to past action, what would he do? He wouldn't have gone in. In fact, he might not even have left Joppa. Incidentally, just historically, do you remember a guy named Jonah? And do you remember when God was calling him to go to Nineveh? Right? Where was he? Joppa. Okay, And so here in Joppa, had Peter not understood and, and been obedient to the Lord, he might have tried to use an old course right, for a new situation, but he didn't. Acts eleven seventeen, he summarizes everything as he talks to the Jewish believers. He says this, So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Okay? And so as we, as we think about this and as we look at this, we have to ask ourselves the question, 
have we put God in a box? Some of us maybe have a, a small box because we have a small little God and, and maybe we have a small God because we've just come to faith and just beginning to understand Him and, 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 and really he, he, He's small enough that our box can be small for Him. Maybe others have a small God and they have Him in a small box because they don't want too much of God. They want just enough that they can kind of keep Him in that little small little box. Right? Through their attitudes, their actions, and their response to Him. And then there are people that have kind of a medium-sized box. And, you know, God's pretty good size. He's, you know, I have an average box like most people do. And I'm going to keep God in that. And, uh, yeah, I want God to work kind of in a, in, a, in a little bigger space. But I don't want him in too big a box. If he's in too big a box, I, you know, then I'm going to have to open the box. And I don't know what's going to happen if he's in, a, in a, even a bigger box. And, and so I'm going to keep him in a medium-sized box. And there are people that have maybe a large box. Boy, I believe all kinds of things about God. I believe what the Word of God says. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just praying for the Holy Spirit to move, but um, just kind of in this space, all right? Don't, not, not too much outside of that. Right? How big is God? And when God is working and, and we understand it, through the witness of others, through the teachings of Jesus, through His Word and Scripture, are we going to be open to what God wants to do and to His movement to bless others that they may know Christ as we know Him. And so as we move into the vitality pathway, as we do this external assessment, we do so prayerfully. We, we do so seeking the counsel of, of the Holy Spirit. We do so together, listening together as, as witnesses to what God is doing. And we are convinced that the gospel is for those outside this church. It's for those in Eagle River, for those in Alaska, for those around the world. And we want to be a part of that movement of God in this day in this time, as our heart is open to Him. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the reminder that, that You bless us so that we might bless others. God, Your desire is that, that You would use us as Your ambassadors, that we would be open, Lord, to growing in our pursuit of Christ and His priorities in the world, that we wouldn't want to confine you, Lord, to, to a, 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 a box. We don't want to control you, Lord. We want to be a part of what you are doing. We want to be a part of your movement. We want to be open, Lord, to build on the foundation that this church was founded on from the very beginning. And Father, as we do that, we want to thank you because we know that you have called us to be a part of your work of sharing Christ in the world. So, Father, will you help us today, even beginning with this internal assessment, to listen to your voice and to, to think, Lord, thoughtfully and prayerfully how we can continue to be a church that pursues Christ and his priorities in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.